Welcome, welcome back into the Bushy Baller Brand Podcast. I am Bushy White, alongside with David Shane today. How are you doing, David? Doing well. And we're going to nail four topics for you guys today. going to start off with, would we rather have Zion Williamson or John Morant on our team than help build around them? Can Joe Burrow succeed in Cincinnati, the presumed draft place of Joe Burrow? What should the Cowboys do with Dak Prescott? And we'll close the show out with our NBA MVP vote. And on top of that, is LeBron still in the running for the MVP in the NBA? But we want to start off with Zion versus Ja Morant. Okay, so we're talking Zion versus Ja. And in my personal opinion, I would take Ja Morant over Zion. However, I do think that Zion is more box office. He, att- he attracts more crowds. He probably will sell a few more tickets than Ja Morant. The name is obviously more well-known, although both guys can be referred to on a first-name basis, no doubt. If you're talking to people around the league, you just have to say Ja or Zion. But I feel like Ja Morant can do it all, and he distributes the ball a little bit better. And plus, if you look at the teams and where they're standing at right now, obviously if the season was to end today, the Memphis Grizzlies would be the eighth seed and the Pelicans would be out of the race. But... It's not out. I mean, we still got a few more games to go, so it's not completely over. And Zion has definitely been a big part of the Pelicans being in the hunt. And what he's doing is special. Obviously, the weight continues to be a concern for some people. He's around 285, and he's only about 6'6, but he's just, he's explosive and does a lot. But I just, I, I think that overall, if I'm building a team, I would want John Moran. He seems to have, in my opinion, I think he's got a little bit more upside because he seems to be able to do a tiny bit more than Zion does. And he just his ability to lead the team. I mean, obviously, he led Murray State, which is an underrated team in March Madness, to a win in the tournament. And just overall, I think that John Moran is someone that I would rather have. Now, again, I love both guys. I love what they're able to do. I'm just going to throw out a couple stats for you before I throw it to David for his choice. John Moran, in 56 games this year, is averaging 17.6 points, 3.5 rebounds, and 7 assists, and 35% from 3. Zion, in only 17 games, is at 24 points per game, 6.8 rebounds, 2 assists, and 41% from 3. Now granted, he's only taken 12. He's made 5 out of 12, and 4 of them were in his first game, so the numbers are a little skewed. Obviously, Zion has played a lot less games than John Morant this year. But in my opinion, I'm taking John Morant over Zion. Who do you think, David, you'd rather build your team around? If I had to build my team, I'm taking Zion. Uh, I love both guys. I was a hu- I've always been a huge Morant fan since the start of the season. Um, not necessarily a huge Zion fan, but and I in the beginning, beginning of the season, I thought Zion was going to be he was a lot very overrated, and I did not think he was going to be as good as he has been. But he is averaging 24 points per game. In a limited sample size, but he's averaging 24 points per game to Morant's 17 points per game. So that's a about seven more points per game, and he's playing with Brandon Ingram, Drew Holiday. He, I think, he has more scores around him, whereas Morant is the clear number one option, has the ball in his hand uh, every possession, and there's what second leading scorer is Jaron Jackson. He's a nice player, but he's not Brandon Ingram, and uh, Dylan Brooks can score, but I don't think he's Drew Holiday. 
So I think Zion is averaging more points on uh, with a, with a better team around him, and I just think he has. Well, you said you, Morant could be a better all around player, but I think Zion has the ability to dominate the paint for years to come. I think he can be. Oh yeah, no doubt. There's Giannis no, like there, in that way. There's no disputing what he can do in the paint. Yeah. So obviously, it comes down for me. It comes down to shooting with Zion. He's shooting forty two percent from three, but it's in what twelve attempts. Yeah, and you said, four of the five that he's made was in yeah. the first game. And you obviously you didn't know what his ability was, so you're going to let him take shots in his first NBA game. Yeah, and that was my biggest... ...that good of a shooter. But I think if he can uh, shoot at a decent clip... Uh, we know like LeBron was... In his first few years with Cleveland, he was not a good shooter at all. No. He kind of evolved into a... a Decent uh, three-point shooter. So if Zion can do the same, I think I would, I would definitely take that chance over Morant evolving into uh, the type of player I think Zion will. Yeah, but see, to your point, that's where, again, like obviously you got some people who are just going to strictly look at, oh well, here's the numbers. Zion's got better numbers, but like you said, John Morant is the first option on his team, so he's obviously going to have the ball more. His percentages are going to be lower because he's going to shoot less and he's going to distribute the ball more. Whereas Zion. I mean, in my opinion, Brandon Ingram's that team's number one option, scoring wise. And then you, there may be times like, for instance, a night or two ago, Zion or not Zion, uh, Lonzo Ball was catching fire, so he could be the number two option, which puts Zion at three. So he's going to take a little bit less shots, but it's going to be he's making a lot of them in the paint, so it's going to be a higher clip. So I just think that the numbers are a tiny bit skewed. Plus, I mean, he could keep it up. But John Morant's got 40 more games under his belt than Zion does, which, I mean, Zion could contain that 24 points, but I could see that dropping a little bit as the season gets going. Yeah, I, I, just, I just think when it comes to just dominating one facet of the game, I think you can build out from that and say, okay, he's going to score 18 points per game just in the paint. And then if he can get a three-point shot and you have to honor his driving ability, maybe p- people back off. He can get a three-point shot if he can shoot it at a decent clip. I think he can be a perennial all-star in the league. And I, I, like, I love Morant, so I don't think it's an easy decision. But I think that he has the ability to be a Giannis-like player in the league. Oh, yeah. I, and there is no doubt in either of our minds that both of these guys, Zion and Ja, both have very bright futures. And I just think the draft would have been a little more interesting had the Pelicans not had a guy like Drew Holiday and needed a point guard, would they have gone jaw over Zion, which is an interesting take that we'll never know because they had Drew Holiday and trust him very much. So there's our takes. If we had to start an NBA franchise with either Zion or John Morant, I'm taking John Morant. David is taking Zion Williamson. Next topic, we're going to shift to the NFL now, and we're going to be talking Joe Burrow is projected to get drafted first overall to the Bengals. Do we think that Joe Burrow has what it takes with that franchise to succeed in Cincinnati. So for all the NFL fans out there, all the guys who love looking at mock drafts, maybe you watch some college football towards the end to see some of the top prospects coming out and going to the NFL, you all know that Joe Burrow is a presumed number one pick in this year's draft. I don't think I've seen any mock draft having the Bengals trade out of that spot or the Bengals taking any other player so besides Joe Burrow. Which leaves the question for everybody, does Joe Burrow have what it takes to succeed in Cincinnati with the Bengals? And I think he can succeed, but it's going to be very tough for him. 
Because, I mean, we've seen guys in the past like a Carson Palmer who had a ton of talent coming out of college. A lot of people loved him. Went to Cincinnati. Just They basically wasted his career. He didn't do too much there. Then recently, Andy Dalton. He made, I think it was like five straight playoff runs, but they didn't win a playoff game. So, obviously, not much success there. I mean, you can say getting to the playoffs is a success, but if you 0 for 5 in the playoffs, how successful are you really? So, Joe Burrow is going to struggle, no doubt, in Cincinnati because they don't have a ton of pieces. They're known to be like a cheap franchise. I don't know if you ever heard TJ Hushmanzada talking about his time in Cincinnati where apparently at the beginning of training camp, they they didn't have like fresh water and they had a they would bring out the cups for all the players and just throw them in the middle and tell them pick one and so they're they're a cheap franchise they've never really been great they've never been dominant they're not running through teams they've always been kind of mediocre their weapons that they have aren't great i mean joe mixon he's off and on he can do whatever aj green is getting old and clearly just doesn't want to be in cincinnati tyler eifert gets hurt just about every year of his career the deep threat Ross is nothing special. I like the wide receiver Boyd, but you can't expect a rookie to succeed with one decent receiver. So in terms of can Joe Burrow succeed in Cincinnati, I think he has what it takes, but I don't think that the franchise itself has what it takes right now. They're going to have to draft him and draft some seriously good weapons and somehow, some way attract free agents. So it's going to just be very difficult for a guy like Joe Burrow to succeed in Cincinnati, like it has been for every quarterback to come before him. And so, David, I'm curious if you think that Joe Burrow, because of how great he had of a season last year in college, if you think that he has any chance to succeed with the Bengals. Yeah, I I, I pretty much agree with you. I think he can succeed. I think he has the talent to maybe overcome some of the uh, problems in Cincinnati with their organizationally. Um, we saw him put up maybe the best season ever. Uh, from a quarterback in college, he had uh, five th- five thousand six hundred seventy one yards, uh, sixty touchdowns to six interceptions, just crazy Wait, numbers. Sixty touchdowns, like people don't realize how absurd yeah, sixty touchdowns an is. An absurd number. He crushed Oklahoma in the semifinals, and he played really well against uh, Clemson. And he he showed that he can play in big games. He has great accuracy. He's good in the pocket. Uh, the only thing that worries about worries me about him from a college perspective is he kind of wasn't he was like a projected like six round pick or something coming into the year he hadn't really done a ton previously so it, it's one kind of outlier season but going to the Bengals I think it's maybe a little overrated how bad of a place that is for him to end up um, he there's a report that they're they're pro- they're most likely going to franchise tag AJ Green. I think uh, Jeremy Fowler reported it for ESPN. Which I mean, AJ Green's a good receiver, but I just it, it seems like he just wants out, and he's had enough of Cincinnati. Whether or not they bring in a guy like Joe Burrow, yeah, so. it's it's questionable. But I think that's kind of a sign. And I, I, there is a report that, that Joe Burrow like uh, insinuated that he wanted AJ Green back, um, and that is kind of like a sign to me that they're trying to put pieces around him because you know coming off an injury, AJ Green could easily just say just go go somewhere else. But I think franchise tagging him, giving him one year with Burrow just to give him a weapon is good, a good sign. I like Boyd. I think he's a very good number two receiver. Uh, you have Ross, who it, it wasn't what he was cracked up to be. He was a first-round pick. But he has some speed on the outside. Um, I think the key for me is the O-line. 
because they do not have a good O-line. Uh, at the end of the season last year, Pro Football Focus rated them 30 out of 32 in O-line. And, yeah, and you, you, when you have a rookie quarterback, you need to be able to protect him. You don't want some guy first year in the league taking hit after hit. Yeah, I, so that's my biggest worry. Uh, I, that honestly worries me more than the, or, the organizational uh, problems that we've seen in Cincinnati. Um, so I think if they can help fix the O-line, they drafted a left tackle in the first round who didn't play at all uh, last year. So hopefully he can add something to the line. Um, but they have to do. They have to do something about the line because it's not going to get any better. Um, even if that left tackle is what like uh, he was the 11th pick of the draft, even if he produces like one, they're still the rest of the line's terrible. So I think that's the biggest struggle for him. And but I I do think he has something's going for him. Adrian Green, uh, Boyd, and Ross is a decent receiver trio. And Mixon, I like Mixon a lot. So I think he has a running back he can lean on. I think he'll be okay, but it's it's going to be tough for him. That they have a terrible defense, terrible O line. It's just and their di- division's not going to be the easiest. Division. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're in a division of Lamar Jackson. You got to face him twice a year. Chances are they'll probably lose both their games this year to Lamar Jackson. Steelers are getting Big Ben back, although old, he still does his thing. And the Browns are a complete wild card with a guy like Baker Mayfield. You don't know what you're getting week to week. So despite them bringing back or drafting Joe Burrow and bringing back guys like AJ Green and Boyd. They could still find themselves at seven and nine, six and ten at the bottom of the division because you have no clue how it's going to go. Yeah, I think I think it's just a lot of speculation now. I think Burrow has some things going for him. He has some things that are definitely going to hold him back. So I don't think there's a ton we can tell right now. But I think that the Bengals should definitely draft him number one. I think he's oh, a yeah. worthy number one pick and just do as much as you can to put uh, pieces around him. And I just want to go back to a point that you made a little bit earlier was the whole how this is kind of like an outlier season. He didn't, he wasn't really anything special coming out. And people were talking about how back in when he was in Ohio State that he was just kind of like he lost out the job there and he lost out the battle in Ohio State. And it's kind of interesting to me because it's like he didn't just like lose out his job to like some scrubs who weren't that good. Like these are like top of the line, like top QBs in all of college football they lost out to. So like, let's not look at it like he lost his job to guys who can't play football and then went to LSU, and then he had this phenomenal season. So it's kind of like you look at it in terms of, is Joe Burrow going to be the guy who lost out to decent players, or is he going to be the guy that played last year who you know, plays his heart out and plays an absurd amount of you know, football and throws the ball really well? And his weapons were just ridiculous at LSU, so it's definitely going to be. It's it's a. Sh- I will be genuinely devastated if a guy like Joe Burrow goes there and has a Carson Palmer like career where he's a big name coming out, really great in college, and just didn't do much in terms of his NFL career. And it's like like just quick, I just want to get your opinion just real quickly. Looking at the quarterbacks there. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, Ben Roethlisberger, Baker Mayfield, Joe Burrow, in that in that uh, division, and so where do you think you know four or five years from now? Do you think he's going? Obviously, I think four to five years from now, Ben Roethlisberger will be retired. So whoever they draft, so take Baker, Lamar, Joe Burrow. Of those three, take it. His rookie contract probably going to be four years. At the end of his rookie contract, do you think he's still going to be three out of three for those guys, or do you think he can be better? Than a Baker Mayfield. Oh yeah. Uh, obviously, Lamar Jackson put on a historic season last year, so I don't think he's going to get 
necessarily close to that. But if I'm taking Burrow, if you have to give me Burrow or Mayfield to start my franchise, I'm taking Burrow, and I'm not really thinking that much about it. I'm not, I'm not a Mayfield hater. I think he has talent. He can turn his career around. But I would way rather have Burrow than uh, Mayfield going forward for the next five years and after that. Yeah, one more quick point on Joe Burrow. Somebody in an interview with him compared him to Tom Brady, and he said that he, he told the reporter, please do not compare me to the GOAT because he's the greatest football player of all time. And it's definitely for a guy who's that young, you would hate to go into the draft with expectations of being compared to the GOAT, which would not be easy at all. So we want to stick now with the NFL and even stick with quarterback news going from Joe Burrow, and now we want to touch on Dak Prescott and what in the world do the Cowboys do with Dak Prescott and his contract that's now up. Should they franchise him? Should they sign him long-term? Should they sign him short-term? What do the Dallas Cowboys do with Dak Prescott? Dak Prescott is set to hit the open market. As it stands today, if free agency were to start, he hits the open market, does not have a contract, and there are what Dave and I are going to do is we're going to give our personal opinions on what we think the Cowboys should do with Dak Prescott because there is literally anywhere, reports are all over the place, anywhere from let Prescott walk to give him what he wants and everything in between. So we're going to give our personal opinions on what we think the Cowboys should do with him. And I'm going to start off by saying I think that the Dallas Cowboys should franchise tag Prescott for one year. I would do the franchise tag. Number one, I mean, both team, both sides of this don't really seem to be, you know, they're, they're in the same within $10 million of each other in contract negotiations, but nowhere close I think they can work it out. I personally don't mind Dak Prescott and what he can do on the field. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. He definitely deserves his money. At some point, like he's not some scrub out there. The team that's built around the Cowboys, if they're able to bring everybody back, is very solid. But when it comes to long term, the reason I would franchise him is because he's won one playoff game so far in his career. And I, I this is where I think that their main concern is, is I feel like at the beginning of last season, the Cowboys were more confident in signing Dak Prescott than where they are now because of what he had done, getting into the playoffs, winning the division, that kind of thing. But then they saw last season, and the Cowboys were fully healthy, had all their weapons. The Eagles had Carson Wentz throwing to literally receivers who were like David and I, like literally absolutely nobody. And yet somehow Carson Wentz found a way to win the NFC East over the Cowboys, and the Cowboys missed the playoffs. And after that happened... I feel like Jerry Jones kind of took a step back and was like, well, is Dak Prescott our guy now? I mean, we literally gave him as many weapons as we could. The Eagles were hurt out every position that Wentz could throw to. I mean, Alshon, Deshaun, Jordan Howard was off and on with his injuries. Ertz had something wrong with him halfway through the season. I mean, everybody was hurt. Aguilar couldn't catch a ball to save his career. And somehow the Eagles still pulled off a division win. So I feel like last season hurt Dak Prescott a lot. Now, he still put up really, really solid numbers. And it's not like his numbers were bad and the team was bad. He put up solid numbers. But I just think that seeing what happened last year was a big concern for the Cowboys. And so I think you got to put the franchise tag on him 
bring back the weapon, bring back Amari Cooper. You still have Zeke Elliott. Maybe you draft a tight end or bring in a solid tight end, put a couple more receivers around him, and say, here's the team, win the division, prove us that you need a long-term contract, and we'll give it to you. If you miss the playoffs or if we don't win the division, we're going to move on because they'll be back-to-back seasons. What do you think the Cowboys need to do with Dak Prescott at this point? Yeah, I I like your plan uh, in the sense that he's such a weird player to evaluate because his stats-wise, he was really good last year. Oh, yeah. Uh, he yeah. threw for almost 5,000 yards, uh, which was second in the NFL behind just Jameis Winston. Fourth in touchdowns, fifth in QBR. So he had a great, uh, a great season, but it just seemed that all those stats were usually put up against the Dolphins or the Redskins or like t- teams that teams that you looked at and they were like, all right, these teams are clearly tanking for a top pick. Yeah, so he seemed to just dominate t- bad teams, and then when he got into a game that really mattered, we saw it uh, against the Bills on Thanksgiving. He wasn't great. The Eagles for the vi- division, he was. Fairly bad, uh, miss, missed up some big throws. Granted, I think that sh- shoulder injury that he, he was dealing with did affect him a little bit, but there's no excuse really to miss no, some of the throws. Especially uh, looking did. at the Eagles roster. Yeah. No, nobody has more excuses than the Eagles did, and they still were able to win the division. Yeah, so like that game, you go in, you have the O lines are, are pretty uh, similar, but then you've the better running back, the better wide receivers, and weapons on offense, the uh, more talented defense. Um, and you, at the beginning of the year, like a lot of Cowboys fans, a lot of people like thought that they would be contenders. Some had them winning the Super Bowl, and, and they, they had all this talent. And, and they, just they were contenders. They were contenders up until the last last game of the year. Like it's not like halfway through the season they just dipped off and weren't. Yeah, contenders. And they, they were good, and a lot of people thought like obviously there was contenders to make the playoffs. But even the people who were saying, "Oh, I think if they can beat the Eagles and get it together, I think they can make a playoff run." I wasn't really there. I didn't think they had it. The team just didn't seem to have the the will uh, to, to like. To play well, um, and like we saw with the Eagles, they, they clearly just had more energy in that Week 16 game that kind of clinched the division. Um, so I think I would franchise tag him in the fact that I would want to evaluate him one more year because I do think there's a good chance he's is worth the money that Wentz or Russell Wilson kind of in that 34 to 36 million range. I think that he's he could be worth that. It's just so hard to see because you, you need to see him. Uh, in bigger games, play better. The only worry for me is that it, how does that look on your franchise? How does that affect Dak if you're if he because he clearly thinks he's worth that money. If you say we're going to franchise tag you, um, I think that's how's that going to wear on him? And he seems like that's one of the things I love about Dak is he seems like a good leader. He seems to be taking this really well. He said that if they franchise tag him, that he's going to pl- play his heart out and just bet on himself like he always has. So. I think I, I like the franchise tag idea. It just worries me with uh, just how he feels being franchise tag because he's clearly a, a pretty good quarterback. And if he has a case, like look at the stats I put up, like I'm a top 10, top 5 quarterback, um, I just don't know how, how much I would pay him uh, in a long-term deal. Yeah, and the, the other part that you got to think about is the Cowboys side of things. It's like – Okay, we have Dak for one year, or maybe Dak, even though he said he will play with the franchise, say that something changes in his mind, and he really is like, no, like I want to guarantee, I want to know I'm going to be here, and so say that he leaves. Well, now they're stuck with, if you're going to let him walk, you got to have a backup plan. There are some, there are rumors that just aren't going away of Tom Brady coming for two years, which still I 
think it could be a sneaky thing to happen if Dak, you know, is to walk away or play for another team. However, that gives you two, three seasons at the absolute max to try to win a Super Bowl. And if you don't, then where's your franchise? You got nothing there. So that's a very risky move. Or you could look to bring in somebody younger. Guys, maybe like a Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be out there. So the Cowboys, you, you have to be able to plan for what do we do post-Dak if, again, this season, say that he puts up similar numbers, but that they go 7-9 and nine and miss the playoffs. Then you're going to you're gonna move off of him because that's going to be two straight years of missing the playoffs with a solid team stacked around him. So they got to be able to you know, look into the future with and without Dak. And I just I think that this I think that this season is going to be really make it or break it not just for the Cowboys but for Dak's whole career because teams will look at it say that they so they're gonna have Zeke Elliott say they bring back Amari Cooper they have Randall Cobb the tight ends are okay I don't really Gallup's know. good yeah they add Gallup and say that they draft like a tight end in the first round maybe second round draft a decent guy and the defense is what it is I mean they have a solid defense the O line has been special the past couple of years and they missed the playoffs again. Then you're looking at it like we need someone else because that's back-to-back years with a solid team. So if you're the Cowboys, real quickly, Dak Prescott leaves, say, this offseason or next offseason, what do you think your backup plan is? Uh, I, we saw we saw them draft uh, Prescott in the fourth round where they had some protection because Romo was still there and he did well. So I would you know try to draft someone. I mean, they, the thing with them is... If he leaves this year, I would try to sign Mariota or Newton or someone for maybe a year, maybe draft someone behind them because they have a lot of talent around that. So if you oh, get, yeah. say, like, so, I mean, it looks like Cam Newton might go back to the Panthers, but say you get Cam Newton and he turns it to back into like a pretty good quarterback back where he was, like he had, he would have talent around him on defense, the O line, the weapons to make definitely make the playoffs. I mean, the Giants are a few years away, even though I like some of the pieces. The Redskins are. I mean, I don't see them being good anytime soon. So you're really only fighting with the Eagles, who have some problems of their own. So I think if you can get one of those guys that um, that you would have a chance to compete. My thing with Prescott is, I mean, if, if if you are going to sign him, I think he's just really interesting to see what is your philosophy on on signing these quarterbacks to the big deals. Because we know people like Mahomes is going to get $40 million, and we saw Wentz and Goff get paid. And I think... Like, if you're looking at what golf got paid, I think Dak's better than golf. So if if Dak would take $34 million a year, 35, I'd probably, if I'm the Cowboys, sign him. We just don't know where the negotiations are at because there's reports that he's asking for 40. And if you're asking for 40, I think uh, you could argue it's only 6 million more than 34 or whatever. But if you're asking for 40, I think there's guys you can put you can put in his spot and still do well with because of the talent around in the team that I don't think he's quite good enough to pay that type of money, like QB1 money, he would be the highest paid quarterback. But if he's asked for 33, 34, I think I would sign him. Yeah, and like you said, it's a good point with there's other guys in there, like I said, like maybe even like a Teddy Bridgewater, you throw someone in there, could he get them a 9 and 7, 10 and 6, and maybe a division title? I think so. Yeah, I, think I, I like, like Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. I, I, yeah, I wasn't thinking about it, but yeah, I like, if, I, if I signed Bridgewater as a Cowboy fan, I would. Be fine. And, I would and he's still no, give it a 50-50 chance between them and the Eagles next year. And he's no doubt going to – a guy like Bridgewater is no doubt going to be cheaper than a Dak Prescott. But, again, I just – when I'm talking about the Cowboys and Dak Prescott, I still go back to the fact that I just think that they're so worried about not statistically what he does, but does he have the ability to lead the team to a Super Bowl. And so I'm curious your thoughts on 
Also, if you think that Dak Prescott with the right weapons is a Super Bowl winning quarterback, I obviously we've seen Carson Wentz that one year. Now he didn't play in the playoffs because he got hurt, but I still think that regardless, the Eagles probably would have won the Super Bowl with Wentz with the way he was playing MVP like year. I think Carson Wentz is going to get a Super Bowl in which he's actually the starting quarterback playing some point. He might even get two. Do you think Dak Prescott has what it takes talent-wise with the right team around him to win a Super Bowl, or do you think he's a get them to an NFC championship, get them to the second round of the playoffs kind of quarterback? I think I think he would a championship. I, I like Dak. Uh, he seems to be pretty accurate. He's a good leader. Uh, seems like he's good at locker room presence. He just has to iron out this, like, he goes for – 400 yards and four touchdowns against the Dolphins, and then he plays the Bills on Thanksgiving and has a bad game. But I think that that's kind of, that might have been like this season might have been an outlier in that regard. I think that he has a talent, he has the weapons to play well against good teams. Uh, so I think uh, I think he can lead them to the Super Bowl, which is why if I'm if I'm the Cowboys, I would probably keep him. Like this year, I'm not I'm not going away from him, even though I think if you put Bridgewater there, you can have success. I think Prescott's good enough where even if you have to franchise tag him this year, I'm going to do pretty much everything I can to keep him. Uh, and if he wants too much money, if he wants $40 million, I would put the franchise tag on him. I think he is good enough to at least give him one more year and see what he can do uh, with it in the new season. Yeah, that's why ultimately I think the franchise tag is the smartest move. You said that this season could have been an outlier. That's why you got to give him one more year and say, okay, two seasons ago you won the division – and you, they won a playoff game. Last season, you missed the playoffs. What are you going to do this year? And if he misses the playoffs, it's like, okay, this might be his future. But if he wins a division, it's like, all right, we might get our guy. Now, we're, real quickly, before we move off this topic, say that this is just a hypothetical. Tom Brady calls the Cowboys, says, I want to play for you guys two years, finish out my career. He calls them a soft season. Do you, take, do you sign Brady – and let Prescott walk, despite it only going to be for two years. If Tom Brady was set on signing with the Cowboys, if you're the Jerry Jones, would you rather have Brady or Prescott? Uh, I think, yeah, I think it just goes to where, like, if you're asking me to, would you rather franchise Prescott for one year or take Brady for tears, I would franchise Prescott. I I don't buy into this fact that Brady's going to lead, like, is able to necessarily lead a team, he's going to go to a team and, like, go out, like, John Elway or something and win, like, in his, in a later year and win a Super Bowl. I don't think he's there. I think Prescott's, I don't think it's really all that close who's a better quarterback. I know some people would argue you take Brady with all his greatest. I just don't think he's as good as he was. So I would try to keep Dak if I could, but if Brady calls me up and says, I want two years, I'll play here, and Dak says, give me $40 million or I'm leaving, I'd probably go with Brady if he wants too much and then draft a guy and have him under Brady and hope that he works out after Brady leaves. But I, I think Dak Prescott's a better than Brady by a significant margin. Yeah, well, NFL free agency is coming up, and it is getting exciting, no doubt, to see where different guys are going to go. Everyone's eye is going to be on Tom Brady and the Dak Prescott situation, and I, for one, am very excited. So we're going to close out the podcast. Finally, going back to the NBA, talking our MVP picks, and do we think that LeBron James has what it takes to win the MVP this year? The NBA season has about five and a half weeks left in the regular season before the postseason starts up. And obviously around this time of year, you start to talk about the different awards, how the regular season's been going for players, 
and the biggest award, obviously, the MVP vote. And who's going to win MVP in the NBA? David and I are both going to give our picks along with a, a separate topic about LeBron James. So we're talking about who wins the MVP for this year. I think that, in my opinion, it's Giannis, and I don't really think it's that close. I think he's the best player on the best team statistically this year. He's averaging 29.6 points per game, 13.8 rebounds, and 5.8 assists. The Bucks have the best record in basketball at 53 and 9. They just they seem to be unstoppable at this point. Giannis is the best player on that team by a wide margin. And so when you talk about most valuable player, talking about mostly who is the best player on one of the best teams in the league. And this is the best team in the league putting on one of the best seasons we've ever seen. And I just Milwaukee's a smaller market team, so that's why I think it's not getting as much praise or as much looking into as opposed to when the Warriors were having that historical season. They were such a big market. So you were like, oh, like this is historically a great team, which it was, but the Bucks are in and of themselves having a historical season. And Giannis is the best player on that team. So my personal pick, if we're voting, and I don't know how much of a difference the rest of the season can make, is Giannis for MVP. David, who do you have for MVP this year? So I agree with you. I have Giannis as my MVP this year. Uh, Obviously, he's averaging those numbers you said, uh, almost 30 points per game, 14 rebounds, 6 assists. And he's doing it only 30 minutes, 31 minutes a game. So a lot of times they're just upped by so much on teams that he gets the rest of the fourth quarter. And he's putting up these great numbers. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's essentially a point a minute. Yeah. So he's putting up these great numbers, and he's not even he's not even playing as much as, say, someone like LeBron who plays about 35 minutes a game. So he's, Giannis is playing four or five minutes less than LeBron right now, who's his biggest competitor, and putting up uh, better numbers across the board except for uh, in the assist category. Uh, so I have Giannis as my MVP. He is the best player on the best team, like you said. Uh, the Bucks are they're fighting for 70 wins. Like this could be a historic team. It could be like it wouldn't shock me if you're talking about the three of the best teams ever playing. It's the 1996 Bulls, the Warriors when they went when they had 73 wins, and the Bucks if they have 70 or 71 wins there. So I think with the historic season going on and the great numbers he's putting up, I would have him as uh, my MVP. Yeah, and the discussion that's been coming up lately is. Does LeBron have a chance to catch Giannis? And I really, I went back and forth on this because I was kind of like, oh, I think Giannis got locked up. But LeBron is someone who is never out of the race for it. And you can never count LeBron out. Statistically, he is putting up 25.5 points per game, nearly eight rebounds, and a, get this, league leading 10.7 assists. Out of everybody in the NBA, he's leading the league in assists per game, which a lot of people are looking at and saying, but who's most valuable? It's LeBron. I mean, he's putting up 25 points per game, and he's leading the league in assists, so he's helping other guys around him. And he is no doubt the best player on the Lakers. And for me, I think that it would be a whole different discussion if you factored in age when it came to the MVP vote. If if you factored in the age of the players – LeBron is by far and away taking it because of where he's at. He's, what, 35 now? And putting up numbers like he was 25. Like, it's absurd what he's doing. But at the same time, you're taking age out. So you're basically, essentially, when you're looking at the stats and what they've been doing, not technically, but you're saying that Giannis and LeBron are the same age because you're not going to factor it in. So if age was factored in, 
I think that LeBron would no doubt be winning it. And it's just it's interesting to see. I still think Giannis has it locked up, but if LeBron continues to play like he is playing, and if Giannis was to go on a cold streak or say that the Bucks start losing a few more games, LeBron could definitely still catch up to Giannis at this point. Yeah, I think it's definitely a race at this point. Um, if the Most Valuable Player uh, award was actually the Most Valuable Player award, I would have LeBron as my Most Valuable Player because to that team, he's more valuable than Giannis. Uh, they, the Bucks do fine when Giannis doesn't play. They have a winning record when he doesn't play. Uh, when Giannis is is uh, is not on the court, they still have a plus six net rating. So without, off, without him off the court, a plus six net net rating, which would be fourth in the league. Yeah, I know so, that the Lakers. I, they showed it when they were playing the Sixers. The difference with LeBron on and off, I don't know the exact numbers, but is like astounding. Like they go from like the top team in the West to missing the playoffs. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, with, without with uh, when LeBron's on the floor, he's a they have a plus ten point seven net rating, and when he's off the floor, it's minus two point six. So they're a losing team when he's off the court, and Giannis. The Bucks have a plus fifteen point eight net rating when he's on. So obviously, like that's a, that's a historic number. That's five points above LeBron when he's on the floor. So obviously, he, he means a lot to that team, and he's like putting up great numbers. And he's that he is that team. Like Middleton's a nice player. I like Middleton, but it's not like how AD is to LeBron, where you have another top five, six player in the NBA. Um, and but then, like I said, when he goes off, it's still a plus six net rating, which is a very good number. So. I think LeBron can definitely win the award. Um, tr- the media is the one who votes for this thing, and trust me, they want to give it to LeBron. They're looking oh, for a reason media, to give it to LeBron. Media everywhere loves LeBron James. Yeah, so they're looking for a reason to give it to LeBron James. We know the uh, the award is called the Most Valuable Player. Uh, it's called Most Valuable Player, even though we all kind of know it's Most Outstanding Player or yeah, Best yeah. Player in the League is what it really is. But you can make the argument if you're in the media and say, okay... If we look at it as in who's most valuable, that that's LeBron. Uh, he's 35. Um, we did not think we'd be able to see this kind of reduction from him uh, at this age, uh, going to the Lakers with a new team around him. Uh, we knew Giannis was going to be good this year. He was the MVP last year. Uh, we knew he was going to be one of the best players in the league last year. Um, but LeBron is putting. It would just be a better story if we say LeBron, who's still putting up 25 points per game, leads the league in assists and. LeBron has AD, who I think is a top five player in the NBA. But other than that, like, who's their third option? Like Kuzma, or yeah, it's, they don't really have a really third option. It's just a bunch of random guys on the court with him. So I think that if you're in the media, I can see a lot of votes going towards LeBron uh, because of all those reasons. So I think it's still definitely a race, especially if LeBron plays really well down the stretch. Yeah, it's interesting to look at if you were to take Giannis off the Bucks. And LeBron off the Lakers because I mean that's essentially what the NBA is the most valuable player. The Bucks would probably still find a way to be seven, eight seed. They, of the they definitely be at least the Lakers would be fighting for the top pick in the draft most likely. I mean, we've seen Anthony Davis try to lead a team before, and just when he is the number one player, like solely number one player, like not a one A, one B kind of thing, but just solely the number one player, he gets some eight seed first round. Like he's the Lakers aren't going to be anything special. Yeah, and I think AD had better weapons around him when he was with the Pelicans than he would if LeBron was off the Lakers. At yes. least he had Drew Holiday. And the the number one issue I have with the MVP award is, and I've heard other people talk about this, is that it's most valuable player. And when you talk about MVP, 
I get that there's a finals MVP. It really should calculate the playoffs as well, in my personal opinion. Because the regular season, you're doing your thing. Obviously, they could reach 70 wins. But if they reach 70 wins and maybe win a playoff series and face a team that matches up against, say, a fully healthy Sixers, and the Sixers eliminate them, it's like, well, you got the 70 wins. You played like you did, but you didn't even make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. So I think really... Say that the Bucks get on the second round and the Lakers make it to the finals. Well, then if you calculate that in, then LeBron no doubt is MVP, which is why I think that there needs to start to be a discussion as to that they need to include the playoffs because we've seen guys win MVPs and lose in the first round of the playoffs, and it's like, oh, well, that guy was great, but what did he do when it came into the time that mattered? So it's, it's something that I think that the discussion needs to be open for. We need to calculate the playoffs as well. Do you agree with that kind of view that – the playoffs should be calculated into the MVP vote. Yeah, I I think I mean if if you could if you could you could you would do that because it's uh, it it's still part of the season and you the biggest argument would be is what if someone puts up this historic season but isn't really a playoff contender maybe they're an eight seed maybe they don't make the playoffs but I don't think that, that's not necessarily uh, realistic I don't think that the MVP is really ever going to be on a team that's not a top five seed in the East or West. So I think it would be an interesting thing to add to the discussion um, and it would give you more information. But as of right now, I don't think, I don't see that changing. Uh, I think they'd like to have it as just the regular season because if you have that 82 game sample size and who knows what can happen in the playoffs, maybe someone gets injured. So the sample size is a lot smaller, but if you add it into addition, I wouldn't have any problem with using that because it gives you more information and there's going to be races where, like we start with Harden and Westbrook, there's going to be races that are so close that maybe that extra that extra information of how they do in the playoffs can help you determine who it is. Yeah, it's something that I definitely, no doubt, would love to see discussion opened up for. In the future, obviously not this season, not even the next few seasons, but just something for the NBA to think about. Just start considering, hey, we got to start calculating the playoffs because that's really where people earn their money and earn their votes and just guys are talked about more. I want to thank you guys for joining the Bushy Baller Brand Podcast. We're streaming on Spotify and iHeartRadio. I appreciate you guys tuning in and giving us those views. If you want to check out, if you like our logo, bonfire.com slash bushyballerbrand. We got hoodies and t-shirts. You can order those there and always support us. And we appreciate every time that you guys tune in and give us a listen. And don't be afraid. On Instagram, we're we're at bushyballerbrand. Don't be afraid to hit us up. Maybe there's a topic that you want us to discuss about. Or if you look at our posts and you want to comment down below on the different things that we post as well. Always appreciate the support. Thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you next week. Facing this mirror, I see his image more clearer Going against me, I dare ya I'm fearless, I will not fear ya They told me I'll be a failure Not for my time, I'm a billion Attacking tracks like a killer And kill it, making a thriller I've been on some different All this swag, I'm dripping Didn't give a listen Then my views have risen